verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Um, I really like it because it's a parable in nature. Anytime there's something physical, I always really enjoy those passages because it gives me something more to sink my teeth into, to try and understand, to try and comprehend. And I feel like I walk away with a better understanding of what's really being talked about than I would have if... I didn't have the physical parallel. So that's the passage we're going to be looking at today, but I think sometimes we misunderstand parts of this passage. And I think it's because we don't have the same understanding of how light functions that they did in the first century. So to meet that end, we are going to do something a little bit different today. I am going to be turning out the lights during service Um, for the rest of the time. In a little bit here, we're going to have the lights off and we're going to be in the dark. Um, I've asked a few people to pass out glow sticks, so I'd ask them to go ahead and start doing that. Don't light your glow stick yet. There should be enough for each and every person to have their own, including kids. There's about 400 of them, so just grab one out of the bucket, pass the bucket down, and these ladies will take care of business and make sure you get all of the glow sticks goodness. I really wanted to use candles because that would have been more first century church. But then I thought about using 400 candles in here and I thought, that's a terrible idea. That's not going to end well. So glow sticks it is. Hang on to those. I just ask that you don't light them until I ask you to. Um, And hopefully if you have a problem with the dark and you're uncomfortable being in here, you should be able to listen in the foyer, I believe, um, so you can go out there. But you'll miss some of the illustration. But bear with me, sit, I promise it has some benefits. The first thing that I would do to illustrate the idea that we don't understand light the same way that the first century church did is simply to look up at the sky at night. I don't know about you, but looking at stars is one of the things that I really enjoy. It's absolutely amazing when you can see the Milky Way. I grew up in the Keys. My parents were commercial fishermen, and we would go camping offshore. We would go out to Quesal and different places where there is no ambient light, any kind of light pollution whatsoever. And I cannot describe to you how amazing a sky with no city lights really are. And a lot of you may remember even living here, going outside 20 years ago, I bet the sky looked a lot different than it does now. Brad takes a group with Bible Bowl out to uh, Usury Park every year, and it's surprising how few stars we see out there, even though technically we're outside the big city. You can see 10, 15, 20 stars, which is pathetic in the grand scheme of what's up there. The problem is light pollution has gotten so bad that we can't really understand what true darkness is, let alone what it is to live in darkness and how important a lighted community really is because it's just foreign to us now. 
Light pollution affects that to a great extent. Because of light pollution, it's just ambient light that gets trapped in the atmosphere and bounces around. And it's like going to the Grand Canyon and you're expecting to see something like this. Beautiful. But instead, it's a foggy day and you end up with a view like this. That was actually the first time I went to the Grand Canyon. I was a little disappointed. (laughs) But it was amazing because I'm from Florida, so, you know, there was snow and that was exciting. Nearly 80% of people in North America can no longer see the Milky Way at night. One third of humanity on this planet can no longer see our galaxy when they look up in the night sky. That's how prevalent light pollution is. Singapore has the worst light pollution of any place in the world. It is so bright in Singapore at night that your eyes never even adjust to seeing in the dark. You can't even see stars anymore. And the problem is that's the future of what is going to happen with light pollution and being able to see the stars. There's a few places that it's fairly untouched still. It's actually our national parks. The Dry Tortugas off the Florida Keys, they have zero light pollution. It is still a pristine sky. Big Bend National Park, um, the uh, Death Valley, they're known for their nighttime skies. People go there at night to see it. However, Yellowstone Park is the first national park to try and legislate and preserve the night sky as a national resource for future generations. They are removing lights from within the park. They are trying to legislate that any buildings or neighborhoods that are anywhere near the park have limitations on what kind of light and how much they can use at night to try and create a space where future generations will be able to go and truly understand what darkness and what stars really are. Which is a mind-boggling thing for most of us because we take it for granted. But that's why I think we misunderstand. In order to see those kinds of stars, we have to go to places like Prescott now. And this is a picture Jesse Flores took up at Copper Basin, and it's absolutely amazing. He has a true talent for photography, but he also had an amazing place where you can see just how beautiful the night sky can be. Our problem is we don't understand the passage because we encounter light and darkness totally differently. We never really are at the mercy of darkness, are we? Because at any given point, it's very simple for us to turn on a flashlight. We have motion sensors so that that dark room in your house that you can never find the light switch for, you never think about that room being dark again because the light simply turns on when you walk into the room. We have timers on our street lights so that when it gets to a certain time of day, guess what? They turn on and we don't think about how poor the visibility would be. We have light detection equipment. We use it here with our parking lot. When it gets dark enough, our our parking lights turn on. And most of us have one of these in our pocket that can be turned into a flashlight at any given moment. Yep, I see some, some of my people shining back at me back there. This is the struggle that we have when we approach the passage that I want to look at today, is that the way that we use light and the way that we understand it is totally different than it was for the first century church. So, the time has come for us to turn out the lights. 
So I'm going to ask our sound room up there, does every, did we get all of our glow sticks passed out? I don't see any of them still going. If you do not have one, raise your hand. Let's do that real quick. Okay, I think we're good. All right, we'll go ahead and turn those out. And I know what you're thinking. This is going to be the best church service ever. I'm not even going to have to pretend that I'm resting my eyes. You're going to be able to just go to sleep and no one will ever know. The passage that we're looking at today is Matthew 5, and it says in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father that's in heaven. So most of us, because we have a modern understanding of how light works and how it functions, when we approach this passage, we aren't looking at it as the first century church did. We're approaching it more like our modern era, which is the flashlight. And this is what we think of when we think about letting our light shine before people. We're thinking that we are going to get out this spotlight, that we are going to shine it around, that we are going to illuminate darkness, that when we encounter sinful behavior in other people that we will be able to flip that light on and zero in on exactly what is going on, exactly what is wrong. And we use it as a tool. Sometimes we use it as a weapon. But there's a spiritual parallel to what's happening right now, isn't there? Because your physical reaction often mirrors the spiritual reaction that people have when we choose to treat them this way. Those of you watching at home, yes, I'm shining a flashlight at you. Yes, it is supposed to be this dark in here. When I act like this, your initial reaction is to shy away, to close your eyes, maybe to raise a hand and block what's happening. And if I do this long enough, and if I shine it in your eyes enough, you may have some choice words for me. In fact, if someone does this enough and it's annoying and disgruntling enough, you may figure out whatever it takes to make that person stop shining that light in your eye. And I've done nothing to show what's written on my shirt. How many of you can read what's written on my shirt when I'm treating my light like this? You may remember what it said before. may not be quite dark enough in here for the illustration, but you can play along. (laughs) That's the problem that we have is we take a modern approach and we think that we should be letting our light shine in that way. We think that we are supposed to go out and use it as a tool, but that's not how Jesus did his good deeds, is it? Jesus went out and did good things, and that's what caused people to flock to him. That is what caused people to show up to hear what he had to say, was because he went out and he healed people. He fed people. He sat down and had deep conversations about the brokenness that existed in their life and offered wisdom and advice as to how their life could be better. And that's what attracted people to Jesus were good deeds that were done that way. I realized I'm at the other end of my notes in here. I should go back to the right end. So the second part of this that I want to draw your attention to 
is that they may see your good deeds. That's what Jesus did. He did things so that people could see what was happening in his life. That they could see the things that he was doing. I don't know if that's going to work, but we're going with it. Our light is meant to reveal God's love. It's meant to be shined on ourselves and not into the eyes of others. Because where are our good deeds seen best? In our actions. In what we choose to do. God's love is written all over your life. It's written in the way that you treat your friends. It's written in the way that you treat your family. And it's written in the way that you behave towards those that are sinful and those that might call themselves enemies of God. That's where God's love is going to be read the clearest. So why is this a scary concept to us? It's because it makes us be vulnerable. It means that people have to look at us to see God working in our life. It's much easier to show how someone's being sinful in their life than to live and to put ourselves out there for rejection, for ridicule, for persecution, to be called names. But we forget the power of 2 Corinthians when we do that. Paul is struggling and he says this, starting in verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. God's love is best displayed, not showing how we can love lovable people, because that's easy. Anybody can love someone that's easy to love, someone that's worthy of love, someone that deserves it. But what about those that proclaim themselves as enemies of God? What about those people who choose to do exactly the opposite of what God is asking? God loves those people. That's us. We have a hard time with being vulnerable because we don't know how people are going to respond. And as a result, sometimes we blur the message of God's love. I like to do this as a class illustration with teens where everybody gets a name tag. And on some of the name tags, I'll blur the text so that it's harder to read. Because sometimes we don't get showing God's love quite right. Some of the name tags would say sins on them. Because sometimes when we illuminate our own lives, people don't just see God's love on display, but they also see our misbehavior, our sinful nature. The reason that the message of God gets blurred is because going back to the passage in Matthew, it says, you are the light of the world, but a town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, 
they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone within the house. The simple answer to how we blur God's message is we choose to place a mask over our face when we encounter people. We aren't honest about who we are and what God has done. We feel the need to make God look better in how faithful or unfaithful we are instead of being real, instead of being raw, instead of putting on display the church that's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We blur the message of God because we're afraid to admit that the church is full of sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. And when we aren't willing to admit how broken we are, when we aren't willing to say, that is what I was, we deny the rest of 1 Corinthians, which says, but we were washed we were sanctified, we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. When we are willing to be vulnerable, when we are willing to show that we are broken and that God's love is bigger than anything that we can do for ourselves, that best displays His love in our life. But we take that light and we put it under a basket Because we're afraid of what others will think of us. If they knew that I struggled with. And we're willing to confess to all kinds of sins. But the problem is they're not real ones that connect with the world around us. We're more than happy to admit, you know what, I just don't think I read my Bible as much as I should. You know, I don't pray as much as I ought to. That's not showing God's love. That's not showing God's power. We need to make ourselves vulnerable when it comes to shining God's light within our lives. So what does it look like if I am to live my life? It means that I am called to be the light of the world. I'm sorry, that's a wrong slide there, isn't it? Or did I already do that one? Oh, we already did that one. I went the wrong way. Let's try again. Problems of running PowerPoint in the dark? (laughs) Um, We are the light of the world. We know that the light of the world came down from heaven and dwelled among us. That means that if we are going to take our light into the world, if we want it to be helpful to people, that means that I need to be honest and I need to tell you, guess what? I have struggled with depression since middle school. It is a daily battle for me. If you look at my family, almost every single member of my family is on some kind of medication to deal with a chemical imbalance and depression in their life. And when I let my light shine within the community, that means that I walk in my daily life showing the struggle that I face and showing God's victory in that struggle. And then as I encounter people who may 
be struggling with something similar, they're able to come into the light that my light casts, and they're able to see the next step that helps them to move up and closer to God. And at some point, they're going to have a light of their own that will shine. And now our light is greater than it was when I stood alone. We're able to see more clearly the path before us when we choose to combine our lights and live in community together. So to give you a visual of what this looks like, we live in a very large valley. If you are under the age of 11, I want you to go ahead and light your glow stick. Parents, you can help them. Hold them up, wave them around. Look around this auditorium. The auditorium's still dark. We can see light scattered throughout. And this is what it means to take our light into the world. It means that we may go in pockets of two or three. We may be a solo one in a dark section over here where there really aren't any others that are walking with us in that moment. But we are the church. And the church is not a building. The church is people. That's you. That's me. That's the person next to you. And the church within this valley is much bigger than Mesa, but Mesa alone, we are 400 plus strong. I want all of you to light your lights to see what it looks like when we all choose to let our lights shine. Thank you, Michael. Isn't that beautiful? Do you notice that your lights aren't all the same? Do you know that your message of God's love is going to look different than mine? You know why? Because God has met you exactly where you were at your worst, and your story is going to look different than someone who didn't struggle with the same things. But we are the church. We have a light within this world that cannot be dimmed if we choose to live our lives that way. I want to draw you back to Matthew 16, or Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The whole point of not wearing a mask, the whole point of letting our lights shine is that we want God to be glorified. In a minute, we're going to have an invitation song, and I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel like you're in darkness, and you see the light around you, and you want to have your own light. You need guidance on the path that you're currently walking down. There's going to be brothers down here that will pray with you and that will talk with you. Maybe you feel like your light is getting dim. And that the struggles of life and the darkness around you are starting to overwhelm you. And you need a brother to walk alongside you with their light to help you see more clearly. Maybe you need the prayers of the church. If that's your need, the same brothers are going to be here to talk with you, to pray with you, and to bring the light of God's word into your life. 
I want to leave you with just a few thoughts here at the end. I hope that this gives you a different understanding of what God's light really is and how it's meant to be used. I want you to know that you are light. May you know that you are light. May you be light. May your good deeds be seen. And may God be glorified.